Hello everyone, this is Mary Griffin on her new podcast, Not a 10. Um, I just wanted to start this series that talks about um, how life throws really big challenges in our way and we go through many hardships that make our life not a 10 out of 10, but those are the same exact things that you know, add spice, add character, make life not boring because if life was perfect, everyone did the same thing, everything was sunshine and rainbows, then personally, I would be bored. I don't think life should be that way at all. And my life for sure is not that way. Um, Just a little bit of background about the title of the podcast, Um, Not a 10. Uh, I have had 10 as my jersey number my whole life. Basically, I am that number right now. And I'm just really lucky to be able to wear that number again. But I think it is coincidental that I am 10. That's like that perfect number. And If you guys know anything about me, my life is far from perfect. Um, Actually, with that being said, I am ready to dive into the first episode of Not A 10, which is actually just my journey and my story. And I'm really excited to show and share with you guys um, a little bit more in depth to what I was going through. Not necessarily the cancer diagnosis, but more so after the fact and kind of like my mental health after it all and just being really vulnerable with you guys because that's the whole point of this podcast is to be authentic and to be yourself and really try to get the lessons out there. So I'm really excited to share this side of me with you guys. introduction to not a 10 and I'm so excited to share this part of my journey with you guys um so I'm really nervous I do have to I can't lie about that but um so I guess I'll just give the whole lowdown of the whole journey of getting diagnosed with pancreatic cancer at 19 years old I know that sounds crazy and it is crazy but um it's more crazy than it seems to be honest so I'll try to wrap it up really short because there's a lot more sources out there if you want to read a little bit more about my journey you can check me out on Instagram anything like that but um, I'll just give a whole summary of it so it was fall of my sophomore year and it was about September and because fall ball was a little bit different this year with COVID and everything I um our team was really not doing the same fall schedule as we're used to. So we were conditioning a lot more because we had no games to play. You know, we didn't have to be fresh um, and stuff like that. So we usually just come in and run the run test, but it wasn't like that this year. So we came in, we were doing a lot of conditioning and I usually do the well on the conditioning. It's not my favorite thing, of course, because no one likes that, but I, there was this one day when we were doing jog and sprint sets and there was like five reps and three sets total. And on the second rep of the first set, I got this horrible right side pain in like the upper quad of my abdomen. And I tried to push through. I think a lot of 
athletes, especially like female athletes, don't really want to seem weak and seem like they're in pain and not complain and things like that. But um, so I tried to keep going on the third one, but the pain just got so bad that I decided to pull myself out and run to my trainer. And she actually was monitoring me the whole time and the pain started going down and down. But um, because it's on the right side, they were a little nervous about appendicitis. So my trainer and shout out Anne, if you're listening, I love you and thank you for everything. But my trainer and um, the team doctor just wanted to take precaution and scheduled me to get a CT scan, which I thought was so dramatic. Like I was like, you guys come on, like I'm fine. I practice the next day. Like you guys just calm down. Uh, but they were pretty adamant about me getting it. So I got it done. And a couple days later, um, I think like five days later, it was a Friday. I got the results back and I was scheduled to go to the doctor's um, after practice. And Anne actually knew there was a tumor in my stomach when I went to practice that morning and she couldn't decide if she was going to let me practice that day or just tell me to sit out because if she told me to sit out, I would have been stressing. I've been like, oh my God, the results were horrible. Like I'm going to die, like something like that. But she let me just practice. She didn't tell me anything. Um, so then I went to the doctors after practice and that is where they sat down and told me that they found a tumor in my left side. Um, so that was really unexpected. The doctor said that he never saw a reaction like mine. I went through like the seven stages of grieving in like 30 seconds. Like I was laughing, angry, sad, like scared. I did, I did all of it in 30 seconds and I did not expect that at all. I thought I was just being really dramatic and I thought they were dramatic because they were forcing me to get a CT scan. So the first thing that came out of my mouth was, is it cancerous? And our doctor said, that's our next step is to get a biopsy to test the tumor to see if it is cancerous or not. Um, So at first I was like, what is a biopsy? What even is that? Like, it's just something that will test the tumor. It takes a piece and test to see if it's cancerous or not. So I was scheduling the biopsy in the next couple of days and on the day of my biopsy, I actually tested positive for COVID because I needed a negative COVID test before getting an operation done in a hospital. And I had no symptoms, nothing like that. And I just got my uh, positive COVID test and at practice and told me, and I was like sent to the corner of shame. Like I had to sit because I didn't drive to practice that day. My friend drove me. So I had to sit, I couldn't go home without her. Um, and I was like, it felt like I was in like the cone of shame. Everyone just was like looking at me from like 10 feet away and was just like, Oh, like, I don't know how to help you. Like, I can't hug you. I just have to wave to you. It was just horrible. I'm like crying, having a big meltdown. I'm like, my life sucks. It can't get any worse. Um, so that looked like a movie moment, honestly, just sitting in the corner while the rest of my team practices. So Um, the doctors were able to pull through. I'm so thankful. They are an amazing team and they were able to still operate on me and get my biopsy done. They were in hazmat suits. I was in a shield, the whole nine, just everything you could imagine. My trainer drove me because I, I was, um, on a bunch of like medicine, so I couldn't drive myself after. So she drove me with the windows down. It was pouring down rain. She had a shield on. I had a shield on, N95, everything. And it was just, we were getting wet from the rain. I, we had to wait once we got to the hospital for 30 minutes because they weren't ready for me yet. It was just, it was just terrible. And so, to better yet, I get the biopsy done. And the results come back in three days. 
while I have COVID. So when you have COVID, you are in complete isolation. You are not allowed to interact with anyone. You don't want to infect anyone else. So my college room is very, very small. It is a shoebox. So I'm just in that room. I'm like waiting for the results, waiting for the results. The day the results are supposed to come, um, and my trainer actually calls me and she's like, I'm coming over. We're going to sit outside um, for the Zoom call and you're going to FaceTime your mom for the Zoom call and we're going to sit six feet apart and hear what the doctors have to say. So that was like red flag number one. I was like, why is she coming over? Like I thought it was just going to be benign and they were just going to get this thing out of me and that was going to be it. But on the Zoom call with my mom on FaceTime, that is where the doctor told me that the tumor was cancerous and that um, the next step would have to be to get a PET scan to see if the cancer had spread anywhere. And the Zoom call lasted for like 15, 20 minutes, but I honestly felt like it lasted one minute because once he told me I had cancer, I kind of just stopped listening. He used really big words that I was just like, I don't even if I tried to understand, I will never understand. So once we got off the Zoom call, I looked at my mom and my trainer. I was like, please put this in like English for me because that I just don't understand what he was saying. And basically the way they sum, uh, summed it up was that I have cancer. And if you're going to get a type of cancer, this is a, a nice type of cancer. I'm, I wasn't, they weren't worried that about my life. They weren't worried about um, my overall health down the long run and just things like that. They were like, this is, this is something that we can control and we can take care of. And hopefully based on the PET scan, like where it's not going to be the hardest road. So that was really relieving to hear first the, like the first day that I found out I had cancer was that I'm, I'm ultimately going to be okay. And I think that was really reassuring. And also my mom even telling me that was really reassuring, but I, I still saw her brain working and her like wheels turning just being like oh my gosh my my kid who's the youngest of five like has cancer like what what does that mean like that's just not supposed to happen like we never thought in a million years that at 19 I was going to be diagnosed with cancer um so that was just something that was really unexpected and honestly I felt horrible for my mom and I know my trainer she knows how my brain works where I'm like everything's okay everything's fine like my life is great. Like I'm good. No one has to worry about me. But she was like, Mary, I know what type of person you are. You're going to go inside. You're going to put your phone down and you're going to write in your journal about everything that you're feeling, maybe questions that you have. So I like walk in, my roommates are like standing in the kitchen. I go, your girl got cancer. Literally, I quote, your girl got cancer. That's exactly what I said. And they were just like, oh, like same question. They're like, am I going to die? I was like, no, I'm not going to die. I'm good. And, but I had to go upstairs, write stuff down before I talk to anyone else. So that's where I kind of like just try to process everything that was happening in my brain. But it was really like still, I was like writing stuff down, but I was like not even thinking about what I'm writing down and just things like that. So after that, I just remember getting, I remember calling my like best friends at school and they also had COVID at the same exact time, but I couldn't see them. Um, because we, we didn't know what type of strand we had, you know, the whole thing. So I was just like, I was like, Hey, like, can you go get the other three and like put them all on the call? And I told them and, um, it was just like hard telling them, but they were really supportive about it. And obviously news travels really fast. And so I was in a room that's probably like a 10, 10 by like 10 room. It's so small 
just getting phone call after phone call, but I was physically alone. And I think that was really hard to have those, like that whole week of just processing. Um, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time, because you have a lot of time to process and really think about what's ahead for you and think about life in general, but also think about like, what if, what if this happens? Like, oh my gosh, my poor mom, my poor siblings, my poor dad, like you have all these things to think about. And it's also basically what I did for the next like 10 days in isolation. So, um, so after that, I just kind of continued my life normally. I, I went to practice. I wasn't practicing every single day. I still tried to go to school. I had to drop two classes, which was really hard just in the long run. I know I'm going to be a little bit behind in terms of graduating academic wise. Um, but I had to drive home a lot because Fortunately, I do live in the Baltimore area, so I was able to meet with Hopkins, which is like an amazing hospital. It's one of the best in the country, maybe the best. So I was driving home a lot, but my ultimate goal was to be at Virginia Tech, to be in Blacksburg with my team, with my friends as much as possible to the point where I would go home a day before an appointment. My appointment would be at three o'clock the next day and it would last three hours and then I would drive back to Blacksburg at like six o'clock at night and get there at like 11. And I was just so like, I was just like, I can't be in my small hometown where none of my friends are. I need to be distracted. I need to be with all my people. I need to be around lacrosse, like everyone I love. And I mean, I love my family, duh, but like just the distraction part and just like the fun part of school and like being on a team, I just needed to be around that. So I was driving back and forth so many times. I think in the month of October, probably drove back and forth like six times which is a lot of driving like my poor car if anyone knows anything about my car like you know but um so I was scheduled um my pet scan and the results came back so like such great results that it it showed no sign of spreading thank goodness I um so I was scheduled to get surgery on November 11th and they took out part of my pancreas my um spleen and the tumor itself so it was like a six and a half hour surgery I was in the hospital for five days and it was just a really crazy time but the surgery went so well I'm so thankful for that and the doctors really like did an amazing job and so I thought leading up to the surgery was actually going to be the hardest part of the whole journey but it turned out it was actually after the surgery and recovering and trying to get back on my feet, trying to get to it back to normal. I was not prepared for that. And I had and could have taken steps so I could have prepared myself in a better way, in a better manner for my mental and physical health. And I just unfortunately did not do that because I was so wrapped up in this, I'm going to be okay. I want to put on that persona of everything's wonderful I'm taking this cancer diagnosis like a champ everyone was like wow you're really like showing positivity but deep down yes I was showing positivity and I felt in those moments fine mentally wise but once it hit me it hit me so hard to the point that I regretted how I handled the whole situation honestly and I think that is where I'm going to segue into kind of the whole mental health side of it and really knowing when to ask for help. So after surgery, um, I was just in bed for like 
10 days where I was just doing nothing. So I had friends visiting me, which was really nice. And then I slowly like my recovery was like physically was really pretty amazing. Like I was on walks with my mom and my dog by like day 11 after surgery. And I was walking really slowly. Like I have a a bulldog and and she was beating me in a race. Like it was, it was really slow, but I was like, really? Like I thought I was going to be in bed for a month. Like I thought I was going to be really behind, but it turns out it wasn't like that. So, um, as I started walking more and getting my speed back, that's when I really tried to contact my trainer and try to get a plan of like, all right, so how am I going to get back on the field? That was my ultimate goal. I was like, I want to get back on the field. I want to get in that physical shape again. I want to play lacrosse again because I love it. And I think it was just, I don't want another season taken away because my freshman year was also taken away because of COVID. So I, I was like, I'm set. I'm ready to go. Like, let's do this thing. So that is when she like sent me a whole like thing like this you're gonna jog this walk this jog this walk this do these ab exercises and I kind of looked at it and I was like sorry Anne if you're listening to this I'm really sorry but I kind of looked at it and I was like I that's not gonna get me ready I was like that's not that's not how it's going to be I'm I need to run I need to I need to pass our run test like I need to be sprinting I need to be doing weights like I, I can't be doing that so I kind of pushed it a little bit I would say I was running like a speed of a 10 on a treadmill by like three, four weeks post-op. Like not going to, I'm not lying. Like I really pushed it. Like I should not have been doing that. I do like, oh, I don't know why I did that, but it was just like that anxiety of being like, I need to get back. I need to be back to my normal self. I need to physically get back and trying to push myself physically is where I started spiraling mentally. So I remember it was after um, Christmas is probably when everything was kind of hitting me. And I even remember like being around my family. We had like a little small like Christmas party, whatever. And my mom was just like, you seem like irritated. Like everything seems to annoy you. And I was just like, it it does. I was like, I was like kind of just told her, I was like, listen, I've been really good for the past three months. And if I want to be in a bad mood, like I can be in a bad mood, like type of thing. And I was just like, I have every right to feel this way. I have every right. So all these negative emotions were finally hitting me. And if I had felt them earlier and felt them out while it was all going on and really processed what was happening in my life, then it wouldn't have been such a big, like progressive, like progression to a downward spiral and a downward like outburst. I was being irritable. I was being mean to my family. I w- didn't want to talk to my friends at school. I, The only thing I felt like I could do was just try to get back physically. But then trying to get back physically and pushing myself so hard was hurting me physically. Like I was so sore. My, my incisions were so sore and just like things like that, which is so understandable looking back on it. I was like, why am I not okay? But like everything makes sense of why I wasn't okay. Like I just went through major surgery where they removed cancer from my body. So give yourself a break, Mary, but no, that was not me during this time. So after Christmas break, New Year's was coming up and I was just, it was just to the point where like getting out of bed was the biggest challenge of my day. Like I was so, so like in the mindset of like, what was that? Like, like what I'm just so mentally and physically exhausted from that whole, whole journey of finding out you have cancer at 19 and getting surgery and, and try and like receiving all this empathy and sympathy and just 
trying to figure out like the bigger things in life. It was actually mentally draining. And I was to a point where like, I couldn't get out of bed. I did not want to do anything. Nothing brought me joy. I didn't want to be around anyone. So it kind of clicked in me that I, I remember texting like my two best friends who actually live like 20 minutes away from each other in New Jersey. If you guys are listening to Sophia and Paige, I love you guys. Um, I remember texting them. I was like, I need to get out. Like, I didn't tell them like what was going on in my head, but I was just like, I need to leave. Like, I was like, I'm going, I'm going to visit you guys. Like, I don't know what your plans are for New Year's Eve, but I'm going to be there. And both of them were like, okay, cool. Like, we're so excited to see you. Like, we haven't seen you in a while. And I was like, perfect. So I just like got in my car, like in the next two days, I literally drove up to New Jersey and, um, we all got together at one one of the girls' houses and I just sat on their couch and I was just like, I haven't felt this way at all, like ever in my entire life. Like I'm used to being the girl who's so happy, who's so peppy, who brings like energy to the room and I've never felt such a lack of energy from myself and I felt like something was wrong with me and I felt like I was disappointing all the people around me because of the whole time they were telling me that I was taking it like a champ that I was such an inspiration that I was keeping such a positive energy and once that positive energy went down I felt like I was a failure and I wasn't a good example to the rest of the world And so I just, it was just kind of like, I was being really hard on myself and just things like that. And I just remember being so like open and honest with them and just being like, there's something wrong with me. Like, I don't know why I'm acting this way. And they were like, Mary, like, I know exactly why you're acting this way. Like, think about what you went through. Like, you have every right to be upset. You have every right. Like, and they were just like, there's no timeline to when you process things. And there's no timeline when things hit you. It might hit you all the way in a month, it might hit you during it, it might hit you in five years, like who knows, and I was just like, you know what, you're right, I am being too hard on myself, but there's some days where I can only do this much, you know, so be it, like I can only do this much, and if there's some days where I'm feeling good, like then I'll do that, and I need to listen to my body, listen to my mind, and just be more accepting of what I went through, and accepting that I might need a little bit of extra love during this time, and just a little more self-love especially so I left that trip um feeling re-energized but also being like I have a lot of steps ahead of me to get back mentally to where I want to be I remember like getting in the car driving home and I was just like oh gosh like there's a big mental step ahead and I just don't know what to do I don't know how to get my mental health back but I know I need to get it back and so by the time, like, I got home, you know, it was basically already time to go back to school, and that was really exciting. I think getting back into a schedule, being around people was going to be really fun, and just having, um, just things to do every single day, and being with my trainer to actually, like, help me and see how I am progressing physically to get me back on the field. I think that was really exciting for me, and I knew that I needed to prioritize my mental health was, like, number one, and, um, so the first like uh, month back was obviously preseason and I was not cleared to do a lot. I was only cleared to do non-contact, you know, stick work. I was able to run the first 15 levels of our run test, which is like out of 21. So I was like, 15 is pretty good. I, I can start with that. That's that's acceptable. <laughs> but I need to get to 21 soon. I was still kind of in that mindset of like, I need to get back. Like, I'm kind of done. And I just had to sit out a lot of practice and try to do more and more slowly and to the point where I was pushing myself physically a lot where 
I was ignoring pain and I just kept pushing and pushing and just was like, I need to be back. I was not dealing with an injury very well at all. And so I just remember this one day where I was running really hard on the side because everyone else was in drills because I couldn't do contact yet. So I was like, you know what, if everyone is in drills right now, I'm going to get back in physical shape. I'm going to, I'm going to run so much. So I ran a lot. And then the next day I woke up and I could barely stand. I could barely get out of bed. I was in, I was like hunched over, like in hunched, not hunched. Ew. Um, I was hunched over in so much pain and I was like crying. I was like, Oh my God, I'm so done. Like I couldn't practice that day. And I remember getting into the locker room and sitting with one of my friends and she just looks at me and I just immediately broke down and she like brought me to my trainer I was like I just can't do it anymore and she was and my trainer like is very tough love and she was like all right then don't practice like she was like don't practice today like she's like is this day really gonna help you like is this day like really that important like we have a game in like a month like there's so much time and she was like just don't like she was like the answer is very simple Mary like if you're in physical pain we're not gonna have you practice And I thought me not practicing was actually me taking 10 steps backwards. But really, in reality, after talking to my one friend who was going through an ACL recovery at the same time, um, who she's like amazing. Wow. Love her. But, um, she was just like one of the best advice she gave me for recovering and after surgery, because I'd never done anything like this. Um, she was just like, there's going to be some days where you take a step forward and then there's going to be some days where you take two steps back, but she's like, But either way, those steps are progress because you sitting out on those days is actually, in a way, getting you better and getting you physically in the place where you want to be because you need that rest. Your body needs that rest because without it, then you'd be taking actual steps back because the like the rest I had was me taking steps forward because I was getting better and I just didn't see that right in the moment but looking back on it I was like those rest days were very much needed physically and mentally like I just there was just a lot going on that I just needed to like just stop some days and so I was able to listen to my body more I think that's something that I really learned how to do was just like all right something's off I'm going to sit out of this drill. It's not the end of the world. It's going to help me. And if I'm not back for our first game, I'm not back for our first game. And it was just learning how to accept that things aren't perfect. The whole like scheme of this podcast that wasn't going to be perfect and that recovery is not perfect and it's not a straight line. It is going all over the place, left, right, up, down, you know, the whole thing. And so when I started listening to that, I actually started progressing weirdly. I was like, oh, when I start listening to my body, like things actually started working and I actually started doing better. Who would have thought? Um, and ever since getting that advice and ever since like being like, Mary, you need to stop is when I was able to get to that point where I was cleared two days before our first game, which was amazing. And, um, I just never thought that like, it was like, three months post-op exactly that I was able to get cleared and then we had a game in like the two days so I was able to put on a uniform and I was even able to play a little bit I played for like literally three minutes but it was like three minutes that I didn't know I was ever gonna have in the fall and because we didn't know what like my recovery was going to look like we didn't know if I was ever going to be able to step back on the field again honestly but I did it and it was a long hard journey and it took a lot for me to just 
accept that things aren't going to be exactly how you want them to be, but it's how they should be. And I think it was just a lot of processing and a lot of just opening up and being like, okay, this is not how it's, how it, it's going to be. And we need to do better and we need to prioritize certain things like mental and physical health for sure. And looking back on my cancer journey from September to November, from September finding out when I had the tumor to November getting the surgery, um, my biggest regret is not meeting with my sports psychologist. Virginia Tech is an amazing school with so many amazing programs that we have sports psychologists, we have a nutrition center, you know, it's like every D1 athlete's dream that I remember getting diagnosed, the school was pursuing me to meet with a sports psychologist. And I think I set up an appointment and canceled it for who knows what reason. And I was just like, ah, whatever, you know, it's fine. I'll, I'll I'll get around to it. Like, but like looking back on it, I'm like, I should have been going to therapy the entire time, even if I didn't think it was going to be okay. Or I didn't think I um, needed it. Like in reality, if I had been going this whole time, it would have mentally prepared me to pr- for the journey ahead of one, we're coming back from an injury and two, actually processing a cancer diagnosis as crazy as it sounds like I really did not process getting that diagnosis until after it all happened. And that's kind of when my world seemed to crumble because I didn't take initiative and didn't take mental health seriously and I didn't make it a priority I should have made that my number one priority instead I just put on this facade that everything was okay I was smiling every single day and like sure like having that positive attitude definitely helps you get through things but so does honesty and so does vulnerability and I think those are just the biggest takeaways that when now when something is a little off in my head and now when something I I just don't feel okay I'm just like all right I'm not okay right now and I need to accept it and I need to do what what I need to get me back to feeling myself again because I just can't ignore this feeling because that eventually leads me to imploding and I think I learned a lot about myself during this lesson and I learned a lot about um, dealing with hardships and just a lot about like mental health in general and Another thing that I really did learn, if you guys know a lot, anything about my journey, is that there was a GoFundMe made for um, by one of the moms on my team, and she's an amazing family. Like, that family's such a blessing. Like, I love them. And they made me a GoFundMe page, and it was the same day that I, um, we had, like, a Virginia Tech football game, so I was with my teammates, and we were just having a good time. And the, I, like, looked down at my phone, and there was, like, 100 messages so many dms like i was like what is going on i was like i'm not that popular like i like come on like i never had this many messages like what's going on so i like look on instagram and this like gofundme page has basically gone viral and people were reposting it donating to it and i just was to the point where i couldn't even look at the donations because it was people who were donating that i were in the same room as me or their families or just people that i hadn't talked to in 10 years people from my hometown people in the lacrosse world um from my school and from my high school and things like that and i was just so uncomfortable because it was so public that how much my um family needed the uh, financial help but everyone just like was so supportive of it that 
but I was just so uncomfortable and I didn't know how to accept that type of help and I kind of just was like eh, like I'm fine like I really don't need that help I'm not really the one to ask for help and I'm not really I try to take things on on my own because I don't want to be a burden to anyone and so that was kind of hard to deal with the first couple of days I was like really uncomfortable by it and like I know I knew deep down that it was just like out of the kindness of their heart and so after a couple of days I I kind of processed and I was like you know what like people just want to help people are good at heart people really do care about me and my family like these are some of my best friends and just people that want to do good for their community and good for the world out there so like just let them let them help you because maybe one day down the road like they may need your help and they also like are just so such an amazing people that you should just accept the help even like even if I didn't think I needed it I did need it and my family needed it and I just can't thank everyone enough for that I just think it was just something that was so important to my family and I and just it was a good reminder that there's so much more to life than all the little things that we think are so important. It's just at the end of the day, it's the people around you that truly mean the world and truly make everything in life worth it. Like there is so much love and hope and just kindness around you. Even if it doesn't seem like it at all times, there are those moments and there are those little things every single day that just remind you that there is love all around and there are just so many caring people out there and people who love you. I promise that like there are people who just care so much and I think you just need to accept that and just let people want to help you and ask for help because I could have asked for help a long, long time ago and it took me way too long to ask and I regret not. But yeah, that's like, that's basically a little summary of just every, not little, but that was kind of long. I can talk for hours and hours, but um, that was just basically a little bit about my journey and just kind of more in depth of the mental struggle and behind the scenes of a cancer diagnosis of what was going on in my head. And just, I'm hoping that if you are someone who's going through something hard in life, that you are realizing that there are people out there who care but also that it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to let your guard down you do not have to put on this perfect face and this perfect life you can struggle and we will struggle and that is totally okay and everyone else out there I just want to say please 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 do not wait for something bad to happen to you in order to start appreciating all the people in your life and appreciating every single day in your life every single day even if it's something small like making your favorite coffee like do something that brings you joy do something that's fun reach out to the people that you care about and tell them you love them hug them because you don't know when things are going to change and how often they will change because it it can change overnight and I think especially in a year like 2020 and 2021 we did realize that things really can change in a blink of a blink of an eye and I just really hope that you guys do not have to wait for something bad to happen to you to really start appreciating everything that you have 
So with that being said, that concludes the first episode of not a 10. So yeah, that is why my life is not a 10. There's so much more to why life is not a 10. But those are the things that really like make me who I am. Like there are so many lessons I learned in the past year. And just like all the hardships I face that like, I wouldn't trade for the world because I like who I am right now. And I really enjoy all the relationships that were made stronger because of it and all the lessons that I learned and just like the new perspective I have on life like I would not change a single thing and I would not want my life to be at a, t- a 10 out of 10 because that would be boring but if you guys listened to my rant thank you I'm surprised you made it this far but thank you so much and I hope you guys enjoy your not 10 out of 10 lives <laughs>